Okay, well, while we have our guest getting ready for his um, participation in the Grace Mont Podcast, we want to welcome you to Grace Mont Podcast uh, number, I think, 30. I'm going with it's probably 30, so we are That's correct. well past a half a year. And I am uh, here with the esteemed uh, Apostle John Luke. Howdy. And I'm Apostle Duke. And without further ado, and then we will uh, introduce our special guest tonight, uh, Grace Mon. Grace Mon. Grace Mon. Grace Mon. Grace Mon. There we go. All right. A lot of people have canned music. We do live music, you know. We do it live here. It's, it's, it's it fresh here. every episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I, yes. And it's different every episode, usually. So, All right. We have a very special guest tonight, uh, a friend of mine who I work with. Um, Davis Varghese um, is here with us tonight. He has a very interesting um, uh, background and... Uh, some philanthropic uh, projects he's working on. He's a he's a graphic artist. He's a son of a pastor. Uh, so, but we wanted to have him on tonight. Um, we want to kick some ideas around. But he also has uh, a website for um, those who have. And if I say this wrong, please help me. Mental challenges, or or or, or they struggle with depression, or. Um, some type of psychological or mental battles they are waging. And, uh, uh, and I'll let him talk about that. So uh, without further ado, um, I'm going to ask him his first. Uh, one thing I want to know, David, is uh, so you grew up in the Middle East right. and India. And, and tell us a little bit about how you grew up and your background and, and, how, and how you got the United States and all that. Uh, okay. Uh, so I grew up, well, I was born, so my parents moved from India to Bahrain, which is in the Middle East, because India is like a developing country. It's like a third world country. And so Bahrain and the Middle East is like about a four hour flight from India. So you have a lot of Indians that move to the Middle East for jobs and better opportunities. So that's how my parents ended up in Bahrain. And I was actually born in India because I was like in, in 1987, you had like the Gulf War. And so my mom okay. went back to India to give birth to me just, you know, for safety reasons. And then we came back like a few months later to Bahrain. And I grew up in Bahrain till about the age of 17, till I was done with so high school. We're... Go ahead. Where is Bahrain in relation to Iraq and Kuwait? Bahrain is, is like it, it's it's very close. So it's very it, it's very close to Kuwait and it borders Saudi Arabia. Okay. So because you mentioned it wasn't safe during the the war there. Right, right, right. Because they like that whole area was kind of you know risky to be at. Okay. So. Okay. We, we uh, my mom just took me or went to India to give birth to me and then came back like three months later. Okay, for safety. I got you. Yeah. Okay, I understand. And uh, yeah, I, I lived there my whole childhood. And then I went to India after high school 
for a couple of years uh, for college, and I studied there, and then I came back to Bahrain. I worked there for about two years, and then I moved to the United States in 2011. Okay. What, what did your parents do in Bahrain? My dad was a CPA, and so he was he was an auditor. And then my mom initially worked as a, she worked in a couple of different places as a secretary and doing stuff like that. And then uh, eventually he got a job as like a manager of a, a company that makes and sells countertop tile. Um, so it was, it was like a high-end countertop product, but he was like managing that company basically. And he okay. was also a so pastor. Yeah, yeah. So over over How there, do, you do that in Bahrain. Yeah. So so the the culture there is very different with the churches. You don't have you don't have like churches that just you know spend like a lot of money. Like churches there are are small small churches. They the people in general don't have a lot of money. So and the church is full of you know just middle class and lower middle class people. Um, and my dad never took a salary from the church in all the years that he was a pastor there. He worked full time. And so church services were usually in the evening, Sunday evening, Thursday evening, Friday evening. Um, and so he would work all day, come home at like six and then get ready, go to church and lead the service. And so that's how, that's how it went. How many, uh, like in your the church that you went to, how many people would come to those services? Uh, I would say about like 150. Oh, yeah, 150, 200 people. That's that's a large, that's a pretty large congregation for a guy who's not getting paid anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll... And then so, oh, and, and then the second question is, you answered it. I was going to ask. It was a separate building outside of your home. Correct. Apparently, if it's two hundred people, it was a it was a designated church building. Correct. For yeah. the pastor. Uh, okay. Uh, All right. I'm well, sorry. It's it's it started in in our home with just uh, our oh, family okay. and then my dad's brother's family, and then it kind of just kept growing uh, to to two hundred people. And but. I, I know I'm interrupting you, but uh, so. Was, did he grow up Christian? Did did he or did he convert or no? He grew up Christian. To start to, okay, so and my, then just my, felt com- sorry. Go ahead. And then felt compelled, and then just felt compelled, felt led by God to then begin a ministry and, and begin a church. That was the the genesis of his desire to create a church because he did it in his adult as an adult, yeah, right? I mean. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, and I'll. Yeah. So I mean, for the for the uh, the bigger part of my so initially his brother was the pastor, and his brother moved away after several years, and then he took over, but that's how that came about. And okay. uh, yeah, so you basically, said it was what kind of church? What denomination? It was Pentecostal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I grew up interesting. In, yeah, yeah. And uh I'm the I'm the middle of three kids. So being the middle child and I was a little bit I had a rebellious streak and 
you know, I, I had like friends that just love to party and, and drink and, you know, like do drugs and all of that stuff. And I got into like, you know, just I just wanted to be the cool kid in school. So I tried to yeah. I had like a little rebellious streak um, for a long time. And eventually I found myself having a lot of the same questions that, you know, that you guys have from what I've heard and the things you guys talk about. And so I kind of had to uh, start digging in and doing my own research and trying to get answers on my own. And so I kind of, you know, like started deep diving and going down rabbit holes and researching things to find out on my own instead of just what I was, what I was taught. So kind of came back, uh, came back that way. Well, what I, I, I've been told before the approximate percentage of Christians in India is what? Um, I don't know. I don't know what is the, uh, it's not, it's not a big percentage. There are, there are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of churches, but the church, the churches there are very different from how it is over here. You have a lot of house churches, uh, a lot of people just, you know, uh, they have literally the bare minimum. So they probably don't even have running water or electricity, but they will meet. You have maybe five families that will meet in a house and there's no furniture. They're sitting on the floor. And there's also a lot of persecution. And persecution there is very different from, you know, from what people call persecution over here. Uh, over there, you actually have like the local people who are not Christians, who are like Hindus, will come and like lock the churches from the outside and burn the church, set fire to the churches. Oh. They will come inside during service with swords and sticks and start beating people, just tearing everything apart. It, it gets pretty violent. So oh, in a lot wow. of places, you know, just going to church is risking your life. And this is not everywhere, but a, a lot of it is in the, the rural parts of India. And obviously there, the pastors aren't making okay. money. They're not, they don't have, you know, fancy signs and vehicles. They don't have anything, anything elaborate, big events, nothing like that. They just gather, they just pray, they just worship. And, you know, you have like the man of God that will teach from the word. So it's, it's a very different, uh, it's a very different dynamic over there for sure. That's wow. quite a bit different. Uh, very different. It's very, very different. different. Yeah, yeah. So what? And I had I had wondered. I'd been told there were as many as ten percent of the people in India were Christian. If that's the case, you know, that's that sounds like not a lot, but in India, that's one hundred thirty million people. Yeah. If yeah. If if it's indeed ten percent, if it's, uh, it five, might be. It might be more. You know, I'm not. I've never actually looked that up, but. So. It's it's a lot of people, whether or not it's a big percentage or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure, because there's just a lot of people there. But so okay, so, so okay. Well, I just googled it just grand. now, and it says two point three percent. That's but still a lot of people. That's still a lot of people, <laughs> but it's a small percentage. <laughs> right. Okay, I was thinking it was a bigger percentage than that. So, me too. Me too. 50, 40, 40 million. Still a bunch. Possibly, yeah. 30, 40 million, something. Yeah. Okay. 
What were you going to ask, Apostle Duke? Oh, I was going to ask um, about your. Okay, so if I'm as I'm putting this puzzle together, this mosaic here of your life, um, so you're very unusual to be a Christian. You're very. That's very. How did that? Where's the genesis of that? I was something somewhere down in your family line. Someone said they broke off and became Christian or do you know that? Or I, I don't know because I know at least like my grandparents and my great grandparents were all Christians. Okay. And the, the part of India that I come from has a lot of Christians yeah. too. So, the, okay. so I like the, the state that I come from is called Kerala and it's like in all the way of the South uh, part of India and there's a there's a lot more uh, Christians, and even in Kerala, in the specific town that I'm from, there's a larger percentage of Christians than in other parts of Kerala. So, okay. so yeah. do you think it might have been when the British were in control, or do you think it was before that? Uh, that's a good question. I I want to say it might have been before that. Just because, like, I don't know anyone. There's not. There's nobody in my even extended family that comes from a Hindu or a Muslim, uh, like lineage. Okay. So it ha- it it it's definitely, you know, got, it definitely goes back a long way. Okay. I need to study up some more of my history. I know. You know, Alexander the Great conquered a good portion of India, but he. Yeah, he didn't bring Christianity. Maybe, maybe the the Romans probably well, controlled part of India at one time, and once they became Christian, maybe they did brought some. I don't know. What I've heard, and I don't know how true it is, is that the disciple Thomas, or or one of you know Thomas, one of Jesus' followers, yeah. was the first person to bring Christianity to to Kerala to that state. Or to like to India, and you know a lot of that influence is in the southern part of of India. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Super interesting stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, I've never actually. In... No, go ahead. No, I've I've never actually like you know thought about it in these terms, but now that I'm saying it, yeah, it does sound pretty interesting. <laughs> it is. It is very interesting. Yeah, because I grew up in a small town in southwestern Oklahoma, where if you didn't go to church you sucked oh yeah it, it, you almost got persecuted if you didn't go to church when i was growing up like i mean stores were closed on sundays no one would and i remember one time i was shaming a kid oh and then we'll get back to your story but i was a little kid and i was like you believe the bible don't you and you could just say you could just see i had him man he's like yeah i believe the bible because back then it was like it was just a different time, Davis. I, I mean, here we grew up. We grew up in such a different world, right? Uh, than you did, you know. And and we had the flashy lights, and, <laughs> and we had and we had uh, sound systems and and flyers and TV. You know, our a lot of our services were on TV, and it's just such a different world that than where you grew up. So anyway, so continue. Well, yeah. So that's. That's India, uh, and Bahrain is is also Bahrain is is has a lot more freedom. So Bahrain is where I grew up in the Middle East, 
And uh, so you have Bahrain is very, very liberal compared to Saudi Arabia, which it, bo- it shares a border with. And so we have people that come in from Saudi Arabia all the time because it's just a bridge connecting them. You can just drive right across. And in Saudi Arabia is very strict because that's like for Muslims, that's where Ooh. their holy places are in Saudi Arabia. Because yeah. they have like Mecca and Medina in Saudi Arabia. And so in Saudi Arabia, they're very, very strict. And they will not tolerate anything other than Islam. Wow. So Christians get arrested <laughs> over there and Christians get beat up and, you know, all of that stuff. So you have churches there, again, which are just a group of very, very few people the ones that are willing to take the risk who meet at someone's house and they worship and they pray and they encourage each other. And so there's nothing public. There's no events. There's no, you know, love. And and if I understood this, you said your mother moved back there because it was safer to have your, my mother moved back to India just when I, when I was being born, just because that location that you're, talking about no she moved back to india oh okay the one i'm talking Um, about is saudi arabia which is in the middle east which borders bahrain is bahrain in india no bahrain is in the (laughs) middle east i I I don't know i don't know this stuff i'm sorry (laughs) no a lot of a lot of go get a map out (laughs) yeah okay i'm sorry i got you now i got you a lot of people, a lot of people, honestly haven't haven't heard of Bahrain because it's not even on the map. I, it's like a dot. Like if you look next to Saudi Arabia, you'll see a dot, because Bahrain's okay. an island, and Bahrain's oh. like not even half the size of Oklahoma, to give you some okay. perspective. That's how that's how small oh, okay. it is. So on a global scale, it's pretty insignificant. It's a tiny island in the Middle East. Um, okay. So usually I have to tell people it's right next to Saudi Arabia, and then people know Saudi Arabia. Because <laughs> Saudi you about, Arabia, you were about to tell that people would come from Saudi Arabia to do something. I was interested in hearing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have we have Christians that come from Saudi Arabia, and then they, you know, they talk about how they have to hide and they have to to smuggle Bibles and they have to they have to be very. Um, secretive about meeting because in Bahrain which is where I grew up is more liberal and so we had churches and you know like like the church that I grew up in which is like 200 people now um, you don't have that in Saudi Arabia in Saudi Arabia even if you're walking on the street you cannot walk with you cannot be seen with a girl or a woman unless it's your wife or your sister and women are whether you're a Christian or a non-Muslim, you still have to wear their traditional clothing for women, which is like the big black cloth that covers their whole body. So, so they're very strict over there. So when, when we would have people that come from Saudi Arabia, and even my mom's sister uh, lives in Saudi Arabia, and she would come all the time. When they would come, they would always tell us all these stories as well. All right. So tell us, tell us how you got here and your uh your uh your religious enlightening (laughs) well after high school 
I moved to India. I, I was I was there for a couple of years, almost four years over there. I was uh, in college, and I was away from my parents. I didn't have anybody there in the place in India that I was at. The closest family I had was my grandparents, and they were about like three and a half hours away by bus. And so I was just in a completely different world. Uh, I was living in a dorm with all boys, you know, just a boys dorm and, you know, people from all over India. Some of them, like a lot of them, didn't speak English. And I grew up just speaking English all the time and watching English movies and learning English. And so I, I didn't speak my, lo- my local, like my native language very well. And so, you know, it was, it was, I had a hard time. Um, and, you know, like everybody's like, just, there's al- always alcohol and there's always, you know, like stuff happening and there's nobody to keep me in line and there's nobody to check up on me. And so I just kind of started doing my own thing. And uh, I got to a point where I had to like, I started questioning all the the traditions and the the practices that I grew up in, and I had to go online. I had to read stuff, and I had to kind of see if how much of it is true and how much of it is not, and all of that, and kind of uh, learn on my own. So, what have you come up with? Well, uh, a lot. I mean. I've I've kind of looked at a lot of like a lot of the similar uh, the same questions that you guys have too, but you know, kind of just deep diving into like uh, the history and like the culture and the reason why a lot of things were said and written and stuff like that, and so just the different uh, the different beliefs I had. So for me, uh, I've I've become very skeptical especially after moving here of a lot of the churches and their motives. But at the same time, like I realized that a lot of the things that I disagree with the churches are things that I disagree with the churches and not with the Bible or not with what Jesus said or what Jesus taught. Those are just like, you know, like whether you talk about, I'm trying to think of like specific examples, like, if you're talking about like tithing, if you're talking about miracles, if you're talking about, I think uh, I heard you guys talk about like hymns, you know, all of these things uh, are just like things that the churches do. It's like part of the culture. But even if you take all that away and if you just look at what the Bible says and look at what Jesus says, you know, it, it kind of um, you see a lot of times you see a big difference, too. I don't know if that I don't know if that's yeah answered anything or if that's well yeah, I get it <laughs> yeah for me to just uh, kind of clarify um, you seem very careful you seem very deliberate about what you're saying and so um, so so you can tell me if, if you want to answer or how you want to answer stuff but but do you so do you uh, do you kind of take issue with maybe your father's uh, ministry where like maybe not him? I, I, I know you don't have any issue because a buddy of mine and I, our parents are super, super religious and we know their hearts and we know that they're a hundred percent 
but we have different ideas. And so is that kind of a case with you? Do you take issue with some of the things your father ministers or, 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 or help I, me I, there a little bit? I, I do. I do. I, I don't agree with like everything he says, uh, you know, uh, and, and that's been the case like my whole my whole life. Like even as a kid, I would always push back. And especially growing up in a, in a Pentecostal church, you know, there's a lot of rules. And there's, I had a lot of people telling me I can't do a lot of things. And being kind of rebellious uh, in nature, I always tended to push back. And I would always say, why? Show me where it says I can't do this. And show me where it says that this is wrong. And a lot of it, you know, I came to find out is just, it's just the culture. It's just tradition. It's just stuff that they were told to do or not to do. And so they were telling me. And then the more I pressed them, the more I realized they didn't really have any answers. You know, um, so like even today, like my dad's a pastor of a church here in, in Oklahoma. And um, I, don't, I don't go to that church. Because I don't agree with a lot of the things, you know, they say. But, I'm, like, his intentions are good. And he's, like, I can see that he's not doing anything out of out of malice or tr- trying to get money. Because even here, he's, he's getting paid by the church, but it's, like, a very small amount. And, uh, um, yeah, I've always pushed back. And even the church that I go to now, I've had issues with you know, things that they've said and done and I've I've brought it up to them and I've told them, hey, this isn't this isn't right. Um, And they've kind of just made some excuse or just said, oh, we'll look into it and stuff like that. And, you know, and they've not said anything because I know that it affects their it affects their jobs. Like I've talked to I've talked to uh, one of the pastors of the church that I'm in right now, and I, I brought up some issues, and he said they they would look into it, and they never got back to me, because I know if it's going to it's going to affect their position in the church, you know. So I see all of these things, but you know, and it, it sometimes it it irritates me, it makes me mad, but at the same time, I realize that I'm not I'm not mad at jesus or god or the word of god i'm mad at i'm mad at like the practices we have a really big mess going on in our church right now oh Um, really yeah um it got yeah we i've taken a lot of issue over time with people creating a rule and then the next people following it right uh, people after them following it it's kind of in i'm a I'm an anesthesiologist and there's a, you know, like we use like betadine to clean the skin before we do surgery. Okay. Which is, is an iodine compound. And uh-huh. all you have to do is smear it on there and it kills the bacteria. But a clever sales rep came through our hospital about eight years ago and sold them this new thing where the, it's a different kind of sterilizing liquid that comes in a little, cartridge basically that you squeeze and then wipe it on with a sponge and she told the nurses then you have to go back and forth across the wound for 30 seconds back and forth 30 seconds 
and then right. prep the rest of it. And uh, that was eight years ago. And that's just some crap she made up or somebody from her <laughs> company told her that. And they all do it now. I keep telling them, you just have to get it on there. There's no studies show that working yeah. it back and forth for 30 seconds does anything. Yeah. Well, but the rep said you had to do that. And so that's how things get started in churches. Right, I think. right, right. You know, right. You know, like so, the Jehovah's Witnesses not taking blood and stuff like that. Somebody mm, somewhere back there in the 40s said you yeah. shouldn't take blood. And yeah, just carried on. That's like for me, it was just a process of separating the what's actually biblical and what's just cultural or what's tradition, you know, separating those right. two. And then and then decide and then I had to decide, OK, is the stuff that's biblical is the stuff that I'm reading. Is that even true? And so I had to kind of go down a rabbit hole and say, okay, so now do I believe what, what Paul says? Do I believe what Jesus says? Was, is Jesus accurate? How accurate are, you know, the, the scrolls and the writings and how reliable are the disciples? And, you know, I had to like go down all of these rabbit holes and kind of, uh, pull apart each of these elements, um, to to finally like understand a lot of these things for myself and rather yeah. than just accepting somebody else's dogma right correct correct yeah yep. and that's, so that's, yeah a, lo that's a lot of it yeah yeah so um yeah so i i i did a lot of uh study on my own and like I've come come to the conclusion that um, this seems to make the most sense. Like uh, this seems to make the most sense in terms of like where did the universe come from? Where how did you know all of these everything around us come to be? So that's what'd you figure out on that? Well, I mean, <laughs> so. <laughs> So, like, I don't know the specifics off the top of my head because, you know, it's been it's been a few years, but uh, kind of looking at the different theories and seeing which one makes the most, which one is the most uh, reasonable. And I've found that I've found out that the biblical worldview does seem to be the most reasonable. And, you know, like. Um, and there are like a lot of people that explain it much better than I do. So um, I would, you know, like watch their talks and their, you know, like their videos and I would kind of research it and see, is that true? And yeah, I've come to the conclusion that um, the Christian worldview makes the most sense. And even when you talk about like manuscripts, and like the writings, they seem to be the most reliable compared to other worldviews, if that makes sense. So I'm I'm back on, right? Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. You're one. We were talking about we were talking about various things. We were talking about uh, creation just then. And so Oh. Yeah, sorry. I had two points I want to make real quick. Uh to Davis's point and saying, you know, because you talk to those people in the church and you ask them those questions and they seem to maybe kind of uh, deflect that. But uh, John Luke and I, um, 
have been having this discussion. He, he explained that, I know. But like, like if you want to be a Southern Baptist missionary, you have to sign off if you want to get support from the church that you believe Jesus is equal with God, the Trinity are one, Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, you have, you have tenets of that faith that you are expected to follow. And if, and if you get outside of that, uh, it will jeopardize their job. I mean, they, they, and so that is, that's just stuff that happens out there. And I don't know what you're asking them. But then the second thing I wanted to say, you said you kind of were out there kind of looking for yourself. I think on Gracemont, we want, I want to, Gracemont to be a, it's, I, God rewards those who diligently seek him. And I think God knows our hearts. And he, I think I probably got a bunch of it wrong, but I think there's, there's value in having that sense of, I want to know for myself. I want to seek God. If you're genuinely trying to find God and understand who he is, I, I just think he, he is going to be uh, honored by that. And I think you're on the right path. And I think, you know, I don't know all your the particulars, but you, you just seem like, I, so I would encourage you to continue that. I, the way you said it came across a little bit, maybe like, I don't know, like maybe you were kind of like not being honorable or something to your original faith, but I think you're being honorable to God by seeking. So those are the two comments I had. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I agree totally. That's, uh, like, and it's, and it's okay to not know everything. Like, even if you claim you're a Christian, you don't have to have all of the answers, right? Because for salvation, there's only a few things that you have to believe. You know, you have to, you have to believe that Jesus is Lord and that he is the only way to salvation. And then the rest of it is extra stuff. You know, the church stuff is just church stuff it's not a lot of it like like how you were talking about the southern baptist uh the rules those are just rules made by the church right so so even if you take all of those you strip all of that out and you if you look at just what the bible says you know a lot of it is is just extra stuff that we've added on um absolutely but, yeah but I also understand, like, why they would add it. A lot of it has to do with maintaining the integrity of, like, the entire organization, which at some point it becomes detrimental when you have, when you see all these cases of, like, abuse that happen in the church and it goes unreported because they don't want attention coming back or, you know, like, they don't want... Um, any kind of scrutiny coming back on the church and you have a lot of abuse and a lot of stuff that people do wrong that goes hidden for years because they don't want to give the church a bad name and so they just uh they just try to put a band-aid over it and then years down the line it kind of blows up in their face so a lot of that is just the church trying to protect the church and yeah, I'll, 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 I'm not. I'll stop rambling, but I get, I get what I get where you're coming from. <laughs> I was going to say that part, we're we are starting a kind of an investigative reporting thing 
on our church because okay. it's falling apart from um, what I, I see is there's a pastor that kind of has a personality disorder. Well, he exactly has a personality disorder. And those who follow him and don't question him, he's really good to him, really nice to him. Right. But but anybody that says, hey, pastor, I don't really, like somebody like you comes up to him and says, pastor, I don't think this is right. I don't think the way you're treating the church administrator, which he's awful to him, hmm. treats him like a prisoner of war, basically. Anyway, so the way you're treating him isn't right. Well, then you would get on his bad list and he'd try to run you out of the church. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's what's happened to our church. It's, it's, uh, that's why we're going to do a podcast on it to get, because half the members of the church or more that are his, his minions don't right. hear the whole story and right. they don't want to hear it. And so he's, he's kind of wrecked it. But the, the deal is the, the church has about $10 million in assets. Okay. And if he can run off and he's run off all the people that are the strong willed people. Right. Like right. all those who are capable of opposing him, he gets them to leave. Right. And the more he gets to leave, then he gets closer to $10 million. I don't know if that's his actual goal or it may mm. be just his personality disorder that doesn't allow him to ever admit he's wrong. But whatever it is, it's uh, it's creating the death of our church. So anyway, yeah. in this thing, uh, Apostle Duke is going to be team preacher and okay. I'm going to be, and I'm going to be team administrator. And so we're going to, we're going to, I've already we're interviewed two, two or three other people for from it. the church. We're inter, yeah. We're going to interview people and do a expose. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Have I'm you? going to, uh, let me, let me say this Davis and then you can continue, uh, kind of interject a little bit here. I know you had a time, uh, parameters, and I, I wanted to leave a little bit of time for you to talk about your website. So go ahead and finish your thought, but I did want you to talk a little bit about uh, your website and kind of what you're trying to do there. So I just thought okay. I'd throw that in. Yes. But, but uh, I'm trying to think of what I was going to say. But I mean, just, just uh, uh, off of what I think, off of what you were talking about with the, the church and the pastor. That was another thing I had kind of done some research on and I had, uh, it's very common. It's very common. It's, 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 uh, especially in the American church, in the American church structure. And it's, I feel it's more apparent to me because where I like the, the culture that I come from, we don't have this. Um, it's not very common to elevate the pastor so high. And, you know, like we don't have a structure where pastors make a lot of money and they have so much control like the pastors over here do. And so it's very common to have like those narcissistic pastors that have these few handpicked people that will do their bidding and they're extremely rewarding to them. And then anybody who tries to stand up against them, they make sure that they're out of the little circle. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, if you've, I don't know if you've heard of Mark Driscoll. He was, I was going to say, that's exactly what we've got going on in our church right oh, now. Oh, wow. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know about Mark Driscoll. But yeah, that's, that's exactly, there's a whole podcast about it that I listened to. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. 
Mars Hill was the church that he had, and it was like a huge, huge church in the uh, in the early 2000s. They had several campuses. They were one of the first churches to pioneer the live streaming and online services, and they had like they were really big, and the whole thing just imploded, just from years of his narcissistic controlling behavior, and yeah he basically just once he got busted and people started coming forward he just left the church and went to another state and started a new church and he's still doing the same things but uh, that's that's it's really sad but um that's also i feel a lot of people look at that and they walk away from the faith but we have to separate the church from what the bible teaches because Sometimes what the church teaches or what we see in the church could be very different from what we see in the Bible. An example would be this kind of leadership. But, uh, yeah, I just want, I just wanted to say that too. Um, and I followed Thank this. You. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I followed this lady on, uh, on Instagram. Actually, her name is Julie Royce. And, She's a she's a, she's doing what you guys are trying to do. So she's a, an investigative reporter, and she her whole job is to bring to light these kind of abuses that are happening in the church. And so she highlights all of these pastors, and she has put them on blast. And a lot of them have tried to come after her, but she's still she's still doing what she's doing. So um, Julie yeah. Royce. Julie Royce. We have to contact her. Yeah. <laughs> you should. You should. She she puts she's um, she's put a whole a lot of them on blast. And and her whole thing is she tries to f- highlight the abuse in the church and abusive leadership and lets people know about that. So that might be something you guys can can look up and look into. But uh, yeah, I'm totally gonna look that up. Well, tell us about your website and your your passion. So my, I have a clothing brand that I started in 20, 2020. End of 2020, I started a clothing brand. And it's a clothing brand focused on mental health and celebrating people that overcome mental health struggles. And it's called Black Balloon. And the meaning behind the name is basically you have a balloon that's when you think of a balloon, you think of something that's bright and colorful, but a black balloon is kind of like an anomaly and that it's not bright. It's not colorful. It's a depressing color for a balloon. And so I just, uh, the, the goal of the clothing brand is basically to get people talking about mental health and to destigmatize it because, um, in the community that I grew up in, nobody talked about it. You know, it was it was heavily, and it still is heavily stigmatized. And we we, I mean, we all know somebody that's struggling with their mental health. And growing up, we would just look at them and go, "Oh, I think he's kind of crazy," or "I think she's kind of off." And you know, it was it was like unheard of to get mental health treatment. Like in Bahrain and in India, it's not common. And it's only after I moved here and started interacting with friends that, you know, grew up here and are from here that I would start to see 
these behaviors that I could not explain. And I would tell them, why don't you snap out of it? You know, why don't you just not be like that? And then they would start telling me about their depression and their anxiety and stuff like that. And I had no idea. I had no idea what it was. I thought it was just an emotion. I thought I get depressed and I feel anxious. But seeing someone having a panic attack, an anxiety attack, you know, like seeing somebody that's being constantly hospitalized for depression and disorders like that made me really like curious like what is this what's going on here and so i started uh researching researching as much as i could um and i don't know if you've got the got the vibe yet but i'm somebody that likes to research anything sure. that comes my way but uh, even if i'm buying something out of amazon i have i spend like two weeks looking at all the looking at all the features and the specs and everything but so so i kind of just started researching it and started talking to my friends and asking them like tell me about this what is this and then i started seeing celebrities in the news who are at the peak of their career committing suicide and i'm like what is going on here like why would somebody take their own life when they're everything is perfect in their life and so it made me more curious and you know uh so yeah, it took me down this rabbit hole of trying to understand uh, mental health struggles and mental illness. And my goal is trying to get people to understand that as well and trying to get people to talk about it and people that are struggling with it to help them feel more comfortable sharing their stories and people that are not familiar with it to be able to ask these questions and um have these conversations that's awesome what what's the is the website what's the website the website in? is blackballoonbrand.com okay and right. facebook and instagram it's black balloon brand okay cool yeah and i have a couple pieces of this clothing and they're super nice yeah, really awesome. high quality i, I appreciate yeah. that <laughs> and i like wearing them around because it's got it's what well, mine says overcomer on it and it, I just like that. I like that. And then, and then I got a big sweatshirt that I haven't worn yet because it's July. But, um, but I am going to wear it. It's really nice, high quality stuff. So, and and it's got great, like just a spirit in the message that it's that it has on it. So, I appreciate that. When Apostle, well, Apostle Duke and I, our generation here, especially you know, grew up, growing up in smaller towns or whatever. We were not ever anybody that admitted they had a mental issue was a weenie. Yeah. You know, so if you had anxiety, you were you're a weenie. Yeah. Or you were told to man up. Yeah. Or man yeah. Up. Or like or like give it to God, you know. Mm -hmm, in my mm -hmm. church, people were really depressed. They had a divorce, they're just crashed, their lives just crashed, and they said, Well, just have faith, you know, give it to God. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and it was almost a sign of, and I think everyone said this, you know, but it's a weakness, right? It's like, the, mm -hmm. that, why can't they just get over it? You know? But yeah. Anyway, yeah. I just so had, that's, that's a great just had that conversation uh, like two weeks ago with somebody in my family. Um, you know, they just don't, they just don't get it. They're like, oh, maybe it's a demon or maybe. Maybe it's, it's like that's another thing I was going to bring yeah. up is yep. it could yep. be demon possession, you know, that yeah. spirit of spirit of darkness on them. And so you, I, I, as a kid, I used to plead the blood of Jesus. 
Mm -hmm. I, I would lay in my bedroom when I get scared and I'd plead the blood of Jesus. I'd plead the blood of Jesus. Plead the blood to try to get that fear. Where the hell that whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, man. I don't know. I it, it seemed to work. It kind of helped me kind of calm down or something, but I don't know. I, I had no idea why I was having all these fears and anxieties. Yeah. Well, there's stuff like, say like, I believe our pastor has a personality disorder and mm -hmm. sounds like it. It's hard to get rid of those. You can't get rid of it, but you can make your behavior better and you can see what's going on a little better if you get in group therapy with the, right. with the other people that have similar personality disorders and they all talk about it. And they, they if they all go around the room and said, yeah, everybody's picking on me. I never do anything to anybody. It's never my fault. Everybody right. just, my, all the bad things in my life are because people are doing stuff to me. Yeah. And then I go back and I go get them because they're being mean to me. You know, if everyone in the room says that, then the, then they tend to be able to see, Oh, wait a minute. They're all here for the same problem. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's really what's going on for me. And so they're, they can get better and be able to function a little better in society, but essentially nobody does that. Right. And especially with, with narcissism, one of the the main uh, features is they lack the self-awareness to know that they are narcissistic. Right. They just, they just have this mentality of that. I'm the victim all the time. Yeah. And it's all the, everything that they do is with the motive of how is this going to benefit me? And, the second, the second uh, thought process they have is, is never my fault. I'm the victim, and so you know, like there's two types of narcissists. The the first kind is like the very domineering leader, the person you know that's like, and we see a lot of this in the church leadership is the people that are like, I'm in charge. I'm gonna like be in control. I'm gonna do all of these things. But then you also have the second kind of narcissist who's like shy and quiet and they always seem friendly, but everything is everybody else's fault. And, you know, everything they do on the outside, it looks like they're being really nice and really friendly to you. But there's always like a motive behind it that becomes evident much later down the road. Yeah, and that's I'm, similar to borderline personality, too. There, there yeah. lot, There's a lot of crossover. Right, right. With right. You know, borderlines target people and, and can't admit they're wrong. Yeah. Right. So it's it's hard to it's hard to deal with, you know, with uh, especially when leaders are in are in that state of mind. Yeah. My father had a a, a personality disorder, so people would ask. His was passive aggressive with mm -hmm. compulsive traits to it too, and people would ask, why did your dad do that? And I said, we, we don't ask that question because it, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't make sense. He's not a reasonable person. You can't, you'll ask right. him. I was telling the story today that we were on vacation in Mexico on the beach and a dead seal washed up on the, on the shore. He found it one morning. Oh, and wow. like, like most people, he went and got a knife and started skinning it. <laughs> and it was rotten. It'd been there, it was floating. So oh, wow. it had been dead for three days or so, so it was stinky. Yeah. So everybody kept asking me, what's your dad doing? Is why he's doing it. I said, 
I don't know. He says he's going to make something out of the skin. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but why would he do that? I said, uh, you can't ask. He's, he's not reasonable. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. That's, yeah. He, and, and the funny part of that story is he was about three quarters of the way done with it. We came in for dinner, and my stepmother made him take a shower because he was so smelly. <laughs> and then after dinner and after a shower, he went back out, and the tide had come in and washed it away. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, we're about out of time, aren't we? Were you going to say one more thing, Apostle Duke? I oh, the only thing I was going to say as I listened to this conversation about these one mental issues and narcissists and all this is I just, to me is like the narcissist. The thing is the narcissist, they think they're right. They think they're and And, and I think when you go back through history, that's where we have all these religious wars because you have two people and maybe one of them's twisted. And I would even go to the point. I think we're all twisted somehow, somewhere in right. there, there's some term for whatever I have. And we're all a little quirky, but when you get go back through history, it's it's you have this narcissist and maybe this guy, and they all think they're right. And 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 throughout right. history, we've had violence, and and arguments, and and struggles because of these uh, personalities, maybe even. But but the religion is the link, and I right. think I, I my my thing is this is the collateral damage of religion which to your point davis is is because this person says this is the way you do it and they say no this is the way you do it right and, right and and it and, and it sometimes it leads to death i mean it's mm -hmm. uh but uh but maybe hey maybe it's two birds with one stone right if we can say hey someone has an issue here maybe let's let's throw this out and talk about it we're not saying you're crazy okay i don't think you're crazy i just think maybe you you're not seeing this right or something. And I am too. The Lord is on my side. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. the Holy spirit is with me. And you know, that's the kind of crap our preacher will start saying. If you try to so contest it at all. Right. That's the only comment I had. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you have any other comments before we sign off? Davis? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> Thank you for being on. And I, I'm just, I'm going to say it here in front of thousands of people. Uh, Love to have you back on, man, because I feel like there's a whole lot of other things in there that would be really interesting to get out and talk about. But I know you're a busy man. You have a child. You have a... You have a I, I do. Two-year-old. Yeah, two-year-old. And so you have a busy life. And so... Uh, and you have your website and your clothing line and um, and your, your whole other life. So, But there's <laughs> that for me. And thank you so much for being on. Of course, uh, you kind of, of rolled course. the dice, took a gamble. <laughs> like, what is this about, man? <laughs> yeah, when you first told me it was a as a Christian podcast, it was I had a very different idea in my head, and then I listened to you guys, and I was like, oh man, this is this is intriguing, because yeah. I asked a lot of the same questions, you know, at, at one point, and I had to kind of figure it out. So, so I get that. <laughs> we've we've had I don't know if you listened to the one that had she calls herself to. Disciple Martha. Her name's Martha Brame. She's got. I heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's got like a lot of people that follow her stories on. Okay. On Pinterest. She's got like 40,000 shares of her stories that she's written. Anyway. Oh, wow. We're not there yet. 
Anyway, but she <laughs> she's a very, very strong Christian, and she does her best to straighten us out, but she's not, she hadn't gotten it done yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's hopeless. I think it's hopeless. Yeah. I mean, it's never hopeless. You know, I felt right, like that too, yeah. but I mean, just, you just do, I mean, ask those questions and just right. look for the answers, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that spirit. I love that spirit. <laughs> All right. I'm going to sign us off. This is Grace Mont, episode 30. Uh, Thanks for listening in. Our audience does actually keep growing little by little. So <laughs> maybe we'll have thousands of listeners before long. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Davis. <laughs>